Welcome to episode 43 of All the Small Takes. Coming to you live on a Wednesday night. I'm here with John and Cooper. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Not bad. Sorry for my tardiness. Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I'm a little annoyed John made us wait to do this podcast because now I'm really tired. Yeah, so um, it's 9... 8.45. Sorry, I can't read my watch. <laughs> Off to a hot start. Uh, we're supposed to start at 8. That's okay. John's uh, John's still adjusting to... Um, you're still on your honeymoon time, right? I think that's... You're still... Uh, yeah, yeah. That, this is still the honeymoon. Yeah. yeah, sorry. The honeymoon's ongoing. So so we'll forgive you on this on this count. That's that's one strike on the tardiness. We'll operate on a strike system. Okay. Um, yeah, so we are going to try to talk about things besides college football I was, we were we were trying to figure out what to talk about and i think we realized that for the past five months we've been pretty reliant on college football for content is that is that fair to say i mean we're not like a one-trick pony but yeah no that's not what i'm insinuating at all i'm just it, it's actually kind of nice because now we get to talk about things like the nba and the nfl playoffs which are which are heating up we get to bring back some segments that we used to do a lot more of. I think I think college football, for all that is great about it, kind of uh, kind of occupied, or kind of like took over our brains. Yeah, my wife would agree. Yeah, yeah. As would all of our listeners. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, we're excited to get some other uh, some other sports in the mix. I still don't think we're going to talk about hockey, but uh, for all those Canadian listeners and Russian listeners. We could talk about European soccer. It is a January transfer window. We ought to. That's pretty big news. I'm trying to recruit some listeners, and I may or may not have promised that we do a lot of soccer talk. All right, so that was our uh, soccer segment for the week. Uh, You can find all the small takes (laughs) on social media. Facebook, all the small takes. Twitter, at small takes. Instagram, small underscore takes. Gmail, all the small takes at gmail.com. iTunes, subscribe, leave a review. You know the the drill at this point. do we, do we actually want to talk soccer? I'm actually okay if we do. Um, no, I, no. No, I mean, we talk about a little tidbit out there for John's new listeners. I think we're yeah. good. We covered that base. I think we roped yeah, it I in. Think oh, we did. What a yeah. hook. Yeah, what a hook. Check that box. Okay. <laughs> what other boxes should we check? Do you guys um, you talk about the very cold Major League Baseball stove? No, yeah, when did cold baseball. stove oh, become a thing? This, this, uh, I was just like, going to say the stove is cold. I was going to move on. But yeah, we could talk about this if you want, John. No, I just want I just want like like an etymology for that phrase, like because I saw like an article about it. It was like cold stove season, and I was like, "All right." Actually, so it's hot stove season. Is is the actual expression? Okay. Because it's been such a quiet off season to this point, the 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 clever turn of phrase that all the big J journalists like to use is cold stove. So that's uh that's where we're at right now. I don't know where hot stove came from though. Okay. That could be. That could be. Uh, I'll take that as an action item from this meeting. Yeah, that's good. We'll, uh, right. we'll circle back on that. Yeah, we'll circle back. Um, other random sports we want to cross off the list. Anything else? Um, Things we never get to talk about. College hoops, <laughs> which is apparently. Oh yeah, I love that we're we're super into college football. Love like like devour everything about it, and then college basketball. It's like, eh, take it or leave it. I'm I'm a big fan of college basketball. I think I think a big thing. Right now is the kid from Texas. I want to call him Trey Turner, but I know that's he played. Trey uh, Turner plays for the Nationals. Oklahoma, and it's Trey Young. Oklahoma, <laughs> yeah. Same state in Texas. Trey Young, Trey Young. Anyway, 
Well, I mean, he plays in the Big 12, so it's really just one team. The Heartland. It's weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about Heart. Uh, <laughs> but, like, I, I think a big thing is, like, uh, he's up to double-digit turnovers in, like, his last couple games. And it's, like, is he just, like, a pretty face that shoots a lot? And is he not the best ball handler in the world? Yeah. Who knows? I saw a lot of next Steph Curry takes. Um, maybe maybe a tad early. Uh, Cooper's, Cooper, you think A little think bit early. <laughs> yeah, that kid's got talent. That kid's really no good. question he has talent. He's averaging it's like gonna be really good in NBA. He's going to be really good in the NBA. He plays in the Big 12, though. Have, His... we, have we had any confirmed sightings of a Big 12 defense in the last month? John, this is not football. John, this is not football. The Big 12 is actually the second best basketball conference in the country. Behind, nice. oh, behind the, are you, you're saying the ACC and the Big East are one conference? No. That's interesting. Not interesting take, Jack. Interesting take. <laughs> um, that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, I just love that for like two weeks it looked like Kansas was vulnerable and now they've beaten Oklahoma. No, sorry. Oklahoma's lost. They've beaten West Virginia and they're back on track to win their like 70th straight Big 12 regular season title. I love that. It's my favorite. Just how life goes. It is. Death, taxes, and cancer stuff. Shut up. You root for the Patriots. Go home. <laughs> well, Kansas State, you, you got to give Kansas State some love for getting those 12 turnovers. They did. They beat, they beat Trey, Trey, uh, Trey yeah. Young in Oklahoma last night. So shout they, out. They, they, shout they out beat him like a drum. Right? Yes, it was did. like 20 points, wasn't it? Yeah, it was not competitive. <clears throat> so anyway. Um, not, the ne- not the next Steph Curry. Remains to be seen. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Cooper's, Cooper's Still waiting. firmly planting himself in that. <laughs> planting his flag in that uh, take. Cooper right. Cooper's seen the white smoke, but I think it might be a little gray. So we'll wait. <laughs> on that on that excellent analogy, we're gonna transition to the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> um, because it's uh it's well first we're gonna do a segment on the NBA, but first before that we have to touch base with Cooper because it's the uh the annual right of the January, February NBA season, which is the Cavs are swooning. And there's all sorts of uh, unnamed sources and players making comments uh, behind the veil of an anonymity. They've lost eight of the last ten. There's reports of internal strife in the locker room. And so, Cooper, I feel like this is like the recurring question, but do you think this is more worrisome than in years past when the Cavs seem to run into these pitfalls and if so what is the uh what do they need to do to, f- to fix it no i wouldn't be worried even though everyone's trying to convince you that they should be worried that i should be worried uh and that this year is very different from last year and the year before that and the year before that um i think this is just what the Cavs do and if you watch cavaliers basketball you can see that they do not care and it's actually kind of gross and disgusting because i don't get that but they like objectively just do not care about playing good basketball. I think there are things that they can do. I think there are things that they should do if they want to beat the Warriors. Um, but I am not that concerned about them reaching their fourth straight, you know, finals. John, I, I, I want to come back to Cooper with a question, but I, I'll get your your spin on it first. Unless you don't oh, have a spin I, on it. Unless oh, sorry. You, unless you're just like so caught up in the process that you John can make oblivious up oblivious to everything sure, else. But- Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you were. I thought you were gonna like ask me the question again. I'm sorry about that. No. Well, yeah. Same question. What do you think the Cavs are should be concerned? More concerned. Well, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, they have an older <laughs> roster than they did last year. That's that's a fact. 
That's what uh, how time happens. works. Yes. That's, that's how time happens. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, some teams get younger. Like I think the Sixers have a younger starting lineup this year than they did last year. At this just point in time, name a random team. Just name, just name, just cherry pick one. You know, just out there. Um, until LeBron is playing forty-eight minutes a game, and every game, and the Cavs are losing, I don't think it matters because I don't know. Who cares who's the who the number one seed is? They're going to play the number eight team in the Eastern Conference. That's great when they get to the the postseason. The Cavs aren't on the verge of not making the playoffs at this point. They do look really bad, um, but it's also January. So none of this basketball matters at all, actually. Fun fact. If the Cavs lose three games in a row by 20 points in May, because I think that's when the NBA playoffs start, probably May, uh, then that should probably be a Didn't concern. they do that um, last year? Too. That's like the fun part about this. By the Cavs, like there were, a, there was a spurt before they played the Celtics, because they were like the Celtics and the Cavs were playing for that number one seed, where the Cavs looked horrible and everyone was freaking out, and then they lost one game in the Eastern Conference on their way to a finals. Yeah, I mean, LeBron is going to, LeBron is going to do whatever on earth he wants to do in the regular season, and he's going to complain about everybody. And he's probably going to fire Tyron Lue. I think that's the mo- that's the way more interesting thing. Is is Tyron Tyron Lue going to make it to the playoffs? That no, I'm I'm a, I'm a hard no on that because I think he's not. one like one bad glance away from getting fired to steal a <laughs> Tony Tony Kornheiser reference. But uh, okay, you get just yeah, you got yeah. To, you got to quite the question I was going to ask Cooper, which is uh, is it a personnel change that needs to be made or? Is there a coaching change? Which there are, are rumblings of, and uh, like I love when the body language experts come out after like LeBron will gesture, like get in, heated about something, and gesture to Tyron Lue as if like every other NBA player doesn't do that with their coach at some point in time. But anyway, Cooper, Ty Lue, does he make it to the postseason? I think that's a good, uh, a good little. Bad. I think he probably does make it to the postseason. Uh, I don't think he should make it to the postseason, but I just think that's what's going to happen. I think he has a good relationship with most of the Cavs players. I also think the Cavs are in a problem, uh, or the front office has a problem, because they do not know what LeBron's future looks like, and I think that's going to be really hard to attract good coaches. So even though like David Fisdale sits out there without you know, a job, and I think he's a really good coach, and I think he's probably a better coach than Ty Lewis. I don't know if you can attract him to the like that position. So I think he probably does stay with the Cavs, even though I think that would be the move to make. So I think they're looking at personnel changes. Um, and I even think there are like internal things that need to happen. So like Jay Crowder shouldn't be starting. And he needs – someone just needs to talk to him. Someone needs to be like, look, Jay, we need you to play like you did in Boston a year ago and not like this crap player that you are now. Um, because – they treat him like J.R. Smith, and he can't shoot nearly as well as J.R. Smith can. And he's like lost all of this like defensive intensity that he had in Boston. Um, and they need that. They need that kind of like scrappy mentality uh, from the defensive perspective. Kevin Love cannot start at the five. Should not be happening. It's probably like the Cavs' biggest weakness. They have no rim protection. That's why, actually, if I were the Cavs, I would trade that Brooklyn pick and Tristan Thompson to the Clips for DeAndre Jordan. But DeAndre um, wants to go to Houston. Do you? Yeah, what, whatever DeAndre wants, sure. But I mean, he has 
half a year left on his contract. So it doesn't really matter. So you take a rental on DeAndre. Yeah, because that Brooklyn pick is starting to look like it's not going to actually turn out to be much. I don't know. Maybe Trey Young falls to seven or six. I guess that's a possibility. This draft class is pretty stacked. I don't know. That's what I would do. I'm either training for a big who can give me some rim protection or I'm training for uh, an athletic wing, which is something the Cavs are missing. With, 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 with Ty Lu, like Brian Windhorst is talking about how Ty Lu is part of the reason that Kyrie Irving left Cleveland. The two of them apparently hate each other. And if I were someone in the Cavs front office, I'd be pretty ticked off that my coach couldn't hold on to the second best player on the team. Hold on, and but it, ma- it does not matter at all. It doesn't matter at all with the second, per- like second best player on the team thinks of you when the best player is LeBron. If LeBron likes you, like that's all that matters. You're staying yeah. on that team. Well, I know, but like this guy, this guy drove away Kyrie Irving to the team that is now winning the Eastern Conference, and your team looks like I don't know, really, really bad. Like they're the the what the third? They're in the third seed right now. I think, but fifth they, seed. are they the fifth seed? Yeah, we're pretty low. I know the Raptors are ahead of us. I'm pretty sure the Heat caught us. Oh, actually, yeah. No, I think they. I think you might have got the the Heat back. Okay. Anyways, we're somewhere know. in that mix. But, yeah, lower than they probably should be. I mean, the reality. Yeah, and I. I don't think Tyloo's coaching ability. They're, they're third. Um, mm. I don't think Tyloo's coaching ability outweighs that, which is which is the, I think the most important thing in the NBA, which is getting the personalities to gel. That's what a coach does. Unless you're Greg Popovich, and everyone respects you and you can build things, then your number one job is managing the personalities and getting everyone to play basketball to get on a team. I and I think Ty, Ty Lue has failed that. Well, I th- I, that's I think why we're doing a podcast. Yes, it is. I think NBA coaches have the most tactical influence of any coach. Maybe the only one behind that being football. Uh, because there's so much, with only five players on the court, and, and the options you have in the bench and how you can space out minutes and how you can mix up lineups um, and the influence that one player can have when you only have five players on the court at once. The in-game decisions are more meaningful in the NBA than in-game decisions in any other sport. And that's why I think like the, the, the Cavs are not using Jay Crowder in the same way that he was used in Boston. So I think it's more of an issue of coaching than it is an issue of Jay Crowder. Well, Going back to Cooper's point. I'm not saying that... that- that's not important in the NBA, but I'm saying their number one job is dealing with the personality. Like, you know, you, the tactical stuff might be more important here than it is in any other sport, but I don't think that gets past the first thing you have to do as a coach, which is get all the guys on the floor together. And Tyloo's failed at doing that. I don't know. Cause Kyrie Irving has left. I actually, I'm going to agree with Jeff. I don't think that's on Lou. I think that's more on your best player, right? Like that's, uh, that's on LeBron. And if Kyrie and LeBron and Ty Lue are in this, like, uh, if Kyrie and Ty Lue clashed, I feel like that falls a lot on LeBron. And it's clear that Kyrie did not like LeBron. It's pretty clear that he still does not like LeBron. So I, th- I feel like that's on your, your leader in the locker room to kind of get all those pieces to fit. And, I mean, it's on LeBron this year to make sure it works out with Isaiah because Isaiah is not Kyrie. He can't play defense like Kyrie does. He can't play isolation basketball like the way Kyrie does. Um, and he's LeBron's got to figure it out very quickly that this is probably the first time in his career he has had a point guard who makes the passes that Isaiah can make. And that chemistry needs to get going really quickly. And I think it's my 
really my biggest reason for still being hopeful in the Cavs. If LeBron can figure out this new dynamic of having a point guard who, yes, is a score first point guard, but I think has the ability to pass unlike any other uh, point he's played with. Um, if they can figure that out, I think the Cavs are really dangerous. John, is is the cat like bullying you off the sofa and out of the ground? Well, I mean, I've been on the ground. Um, it's it's closer to the outlets. And I think there's something about the Wi-Fi that it likes this corner more than um, the other corners. So this is, this I'm, is I'm a slave to technology at this point. Of the video that we are seeing of John and where he is in his apartment. Um, but it's a nice segue because yeah. I don't want to we, – we'll, we'll certainly have more check-ins on the Cavs. Uh, we want to do a segment because uh, things are heating up in the NBA with NBA beef segment called Rate That Beef where we assign different beefs uh, ratings in only terms of beef. Um, and there's a lot of beef in the NBA right now. So we'll start with the most, uh, the one that got the most publicity and the most buzz, and that was the Clippers versus the Rockets. Um, Blake Griffin, CP3, Trevor Ariza, uh, all getting into various spats on the court. Uh, uh, Austin Rivers drawing from off the court. Mark D'Antonio getting into it from the bench with Blake Griffin. Um, and all of this culminating with the Rockets trying to storm the Clippers locker room through a hidden tunnel that only Chris Paul knows about, apparently, in the Staples Center. <laughs> and using uh, using someone as a decoy at the front door. It was just altogether like wild story. Um, how would you rate that beef, John? Um, that's that's Mad Cow. That's insane. <laughs> like, I storming like the, the the first time I heard the secret tunnel and storming the locker room thing, I thought someone was making a joke or trying to make a point about like Chris Paul and being like a control freak. But that, like that's crazy. What what are you doing? Like why are you going into the other locker room? This is like that's how people like uh get knifed or you know <laughs> People's heads get people's heads get thrown into into lockers and they fall like just awkwardly on the back of doors or something and like it's one thing to to bow up to guys and you know push them down on the court or something and then like be pulled off or ejected or something but when it keeps going out outside that and you want to lead lead your group of guys around and. I don't know. Storm the game. Go beat him up. Go rumble. It's like that's we've crossed the line. You know, no rumble. It does kind of seem like very WWE esque. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Which. All right, Cooper. What about you? Yeah, that's why I'm going with like. And... I'm going with like pre-cooked. So like I'm thinking of like you know hot dogs or bacon here, because this was totally planned. There's no way this wasn't planned. Um, maybe not going into the game, but I mean definitely to, you know, instigate that Clint Capella knocking on the door while. Chris Paul leads a troop of their best soldiers around the back <laughs> to invade the locker room. It's like comical to say out loud. Yeah, I can't say it. Um, <laughs> so funny. And just Chris and Paul being this like little dude, cost. like, come on, yeah. guys, come on, we go, you gotta go get him. They were the only ones who could fit through the tunnel. Yeah, I picture Chris Paul walking like upright and everyone else yeah. having the duck. <laughs> everyone, yeah. Punched down. Chris Paul's the, <laughs> the uh, president Jack. of the Players Association too, right? So like this is yeah. this is bizarre. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh yeah, this is rare beef. 
because you get one of these like every so often in the NBA where like an altercation on the court spills over the locker room and you get the report of uh, like player X tried to enter the locker room to confront player Y. But this is like a whole new level to that. This is a coordinated attack, an attempt to flank, like <laughs> using military tactics to try to get into the Rockets locker room. Yeah, like, I wonder um, if they mapped so. it out, like on the whiteboard in their locker room. All right, <laughs> yeah. so guys, this is what we're yeah. going to do. Code word, <laughs> code words, Rockets. <laughs> uh, Got to get there in seven seconds. <laughs> Let's yeah. sync up, sync up our watches. <laughs> um, all right. Next, moving on to the next beef, uh, Ben Simmons versus Kyle Lowry. John, your uh, your hero and savior, Ben Simmons, got into a little bit of an altercation, uh, several altercations with Kyle Lowry of the Raptors. John, we'll start with you since he's your your boy. What would you rate this beef between those two? Yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna bend the rules a little bit as we tend to do on these segments, and I'm gonna rate it as as veal, because um, it's sad. Veal, veal to me is very sad. Um, it's not something I enjoy eating. Uh, it's not something I eat actually ever, for a bunch of reasons. But Kyle Lowry is a is a former Wildcat. Um, he just donated a million smackaroos to the to to Villanova to renovate the pavilion and stuff. And to to see him and Ben Simmons going at each other is is personally very upsetting for the McMacken family. Um, and Vader Vader in particular, Vader being a big fan of the Sixers and of course the Wildcats. Um, can um, you clarify very quickly who Vader is? Since I don't think he's ever been introduced. She's ever been introduced. He, she. It, it's, it, a it's a he. Vader is a he. It well, I mean, matter. he's kind of an it at this point, but you know. <laughs> sorry, I'm getting I'm getting a glare from Caitlin. Um, Vader is our <laughs> is our friendly neighborhood uh, black cat. Um, he's part of our family, and uh-huh. he lives in our house, <laughs> or in our apartment. Um, and we love him. Yeah, I'm sorry. John's I'm getting, been given a script. I'm getting it. We got the gun is to John. <laughs> yeah, I've right been given the script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, no, he's wonderful. He's fun. Uh, yeah, he's a cute little cat. He got sick when we moved down to Bloomington, which is very sad. But we've got him, got him on the up and up again. Um, anyway, very sad. Sorry to d- divert so much from what you had wanted me to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, very sad. Um, I haven't watched any video of it yet, but I've heard like. Kyle Lowry talking about like how both of them talking about like how like let's go meet in the in the tunnel now that we've both been ejected and Kyle Lowry's come out and said I was waiting in the tunnel Ben Simmons never showed up and this is another one of those where I'm like this is kind of on the mad cow spectrum where it's like that's just scary let's not go that far you know uh Cooper what about you I'm gonna go with tofu because this beef is really weak <laughs> the fact that Ben Simmons didn't show up in the tunnels. Weak sauce. <laughs> yeah, Ben. I mean, he's got he's got a bad he's he got, got a bad an ankle alpha. and a bad knee. And he kind of got he was kind of the beta in this situation. Huge beta. Are you kidding me? Kyle Lowry's like half his height. <laughs> and there's no doubt in my mind that Kyle Lowry would have whooped him in the tunnel. Well, because ben, ben Simmons weighs a lot less than Kyle. Come on, Ben Simmons is like 19. No, he, no, that's no a, he's that's like I agree. I actually right do agree, John. That's a business decision. <laughs> This is weak yeah. sauce. Like, it was weak sauce. The only other explanation nah. is they were confused on which tunnel to meet up in. Uh, and Kyle Lowry was using the back door Chris Paul tunnel. And oh, Ben Simmons was not. Classic mix-up. I don't know. Classic mix-up. Uh, I'm going to rate this beef uh, slightly undercooked. So the last one was rare. This one is just undercooked because it had some potential. I think it still does have some potential because these guys will uh, obviously be seeing each other again. 
Um, and it didn't really escalate to like much more than jawing on the court. And so I'm, I'm excited to see it cooked a little more thoroughly and really see, uh, see some sparks fly on the court, though. I, I'm, I'm all about like keeping it like on the court. Yeah, because then we can chest, see drawing. it. The videos HD. Now we can see it. Yes, yes. <laughs> because I am, I would pay three figures for like a hand cam video of the storm, the Clippers locker room. Yeah, I don't need like a Snapchat. <laughs> like I need the, I want the yeah, real thing. Yeah, these NBA players. Well, a Snapchat would be fine. They like their their entire lives are on social media. How is like how is James Harden not holding a a, a smartphone and like capturing for all real. this? Yeah. yeah. How does that not happen? Egregious this is, oversight. This is 2017, guys. Come on. Yeah. Um, all right. For the sake of time, let's just do one more. Rate that beef. Um, let's do the one that just happened. I think it was last night or two nights ago. That Aaron Aflalo, uh barely, barely missing the haymaker on uh, Bieka. I have no idea how to say his name. Uh, guy for the Ilico? Who's he even play for? T Wolves. T Wolves. Um, yeah. And then Bieka, Bijeka. <laughs> We're just gonna go with Bieka, um, going for the headlock move, which is a is a power move. Yeah, classic um, move. Classic move. A la, <clears throat> but my baseball people will know the um, Nolan Ryan putting Robin Ventura in the headlock and just wailing on him. Although Bieka in this case was like I think just doing it to like subdue him. Like he yeah. was, he was okay. honestly trying to like keep him from ending his life because Lalo <laughs> was throwing haymakers with a purpose. Um, this beef was. Um, like us, so I'll call this uh, one-sided, one-side cooked beef. Like this is the beef before you've turned it over on the grill. So it's like um, seared. Aaron Aflalo, yeah, Aaron Aflalo was seared uh, beyond, <laughs> beyond maybe even being able to eat that beef. Uh, and Bieka was just trying to hold on for dear life and not get his head taken off. So I'll call this uh, this unflipped <laughs> beef. <laughs> Uh, Cooper, what say you? Not to make a meat pun, but we're totally butchering this guy's name. Um, this is grade A beef. <laughs> oh, you got him. You got him, Cooper. All right. Grade was... A beef. Um, Some of your better work. I don't think I've ever seen a punch. Like, that punch was thrown probably as hard as Aaron Afalo could throw a punch. That was intense. It reminded me of, like, the Ron Artest, like, whenever that happened. But that was the like mouse. early 2000s. Yeah, that was bad. Dude, Aaron Aflalo really tried to end this dude's life, and then he just he couldn't. He missed. Oh, but it was awesome. It was so awesome. Okay, John, what about you? Have you seen the video, John, that we're referring to? John's trying to look uh, yeah, it up right I'm now. I'm watching it right now. I'm watching <laughs> it right now. Live commentary. Real-time re- we get his oh, real-time missed reaction. It. Missed it. Okay, hold on, hold on. Uh, Gotta go back okay. like two seconds. Uh, while Gosh, he's doing what that, is he super- doing? Oh, here we go. Never mind. Boom! Oh, whoa! Yeah, yeah, he swung to the fences. <laughs> oh man, it's like I'm he, actually he, so he glad him, we got your live reaction yeah. to that. He gave him like he gave him like a little shove when he went for the rebound and a follow. Yeah, is a yeah. Follow? All time like rapid escalation. Oh my gosh! Yeah. <laughs> but also, he's like he like the 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 launch angle on that on that swing was huge because like <laughs> the Bieka is that his name so much taller than that guy bit off so I'm, I'm gonna say this is uh, a, a choking hazard because he bit off way more <laughs> bit, bit off way more than he could show yeah yeah he's, he's lucky he's I lucky like Bieka just subdued him you know 
yeah, kudos to Vieka actually for uh, for like not making it a worse situation than it was. Although no one would have blamed yeah. if he if he had. Yeah, I was waiting for like the steps. like headlock and then just like the downward punches on a yeah. head. Yeah, the Nolan Ryan. He had him set up like perfect for that. Yeah, amazing restraint. Yeah, kudos. Um, all right, I think that's enough NBA. Let's talk about the NFL because we have two of the three members of this podcast with teams in the final four. And John is really nervous about even talking about these games this weekend, particularly the NFC championship game. So we'll start there. Yeah. Mm. The underdog Eagles, John, the embracing the underdog, yep. uh, the embracing of the underdog. Uh, we'll take on the Minnesota Vikings in Philly for a chance to go to the Super Bowl. What do you think is the key for the Eagles to to do what they did against the Falcons, which is defy the odds makers and uh, and and win. I'm sorry. Did you ask me what it would take for the Eagles to win, or just will they win? Both. Great. Well, um, for starters, I don't know if you guys looked at the link I sent you guys earlier today, but like, there, there's a Philadelphia sports guy who went on a great rant. I'm going to borrow something from his rant. Did you know that um, and head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles is currently the same age? that George Washington was when the British surrendered at Yorktown. Nope. Fun fact. Did not uh, know that. Totally true. Um, so, yeah, I don't. it's uh, it's kind of bizarre to me that the Vikings are favored again and that the Eagles are underdogs again because you watch the last game and like people are like, Nick Foles doesn't look like he's all world. And it's like, yeah, he doesn't. But he also threw for over 200 yards and he didn't throw a pick. And... The Eagles won the game and Fletcher Cox looks like a force of nature. And, you know, you can go on and on and on. And I, I really don't understand why the Eagles are just so I would, I don't want to say disrespected because I feel like that's got like a lot of like a angst connotation to it. It's just like they don't value anything. The Eagles have done this entire season. Or maybe it's just they overvalue Carson Wentz so much. I think Carson Wentz is an amazing player, and he definitely made the Eagles a different team. But it's bizarre. Um, honestly, I think the Eagles probably stand a very good chance at winning the game because the Vikings' offense isn't as good as the Falcons' offense was. Their defense is better than the Falcons' defense was. So it's to me, it's kind of a wash. And I, watching the Eagles' game, there were really two things that kick-started the Falcons' offense, which was... Four fumbles, two of which were recovered by the Falcons that led to short fields and led to their field goal and led to their touchdown. If those don't happen. There's a pretty good chance the Falcons don't score and that the Eagles, I don't know, score like two field goals and that's the whole game. It's going to be nasty in Philadelphia. You're not going to be able to pass the ball. You're going to have to run the ball. And the Eagles defense did a great job of controlling that. And so I think the Eagles are stand a very good chance of winning. I think if I had to bet money, I would definitely put it on them to win. And I think they probably will win. But knowing how this podcast does to me, that would probably crush my hopes, and the Vikings will probably win. <laughs> but I, it's bizarre to me, and it makes me very—it makes me a little upset. But also, I'm like, this is great because no one expects the Eagles to win, and hopefully, yep. they will. So I, I'm just going to quickly agree with John uh, on almost all counts, which is surprising. But I, I think similar to what I—I I think I said last week, cannot overstate a dome team going outdoors in the postseason. Um, and I also think Nick Foles, the, the narrative of him um, and, and like the memory people had of him, which was that 
end of the regular season struggles that he had against the, in the game against like the Raiders. I think he's now had three to four weeks of reps with the practice in practice with the first team um, to the point where he he did look um, good enough to take them to the Super Bowl with the kind of play he showed last weekend. And so, um, especially getting giving uh, getting the kind of points they are, which I think it's what like still two and a half three points that they're getting uh, for the Vikings. I would I would take the Eagles. And so Cooper. Uh, yeah, I think the better friend move is to actually say the Vikings are going to win. Um, mm-hmm. Because if we all say the Eagles are going to win, they will lose for a fact. Oh, they're not going to win. They're not so gonna I'm, I'm going to prevent that from happening. Um, Thanks, bud. Yeah. And, I mean, this game Sorry. I think is Sorry, a toss-up. And it's kind of actually the same way I felt about the Falcons game. I think we can't forget that Keanu needs interception away from probably losing that game his knee arms which was probably one of the craziest plays of that game and Nick Foles still didn't really look that good like that first throw of the game was particularly ugly actually all of his kind of downfield passing was really pretty atrocious but like I texted the group uh, the Eagles need to stick to a running game because that looks really dangerous and Jay Jotty was dominating the Falcons and that Eagles offensive line uh, was yeah, really when strong when he, when he, when he wasn't fumbling. fumbling. Yeah, but that being said, the Falcons are. I think their defense was more set up to defend the pass, which didn't really help them at all against the Eagles. Uh, this Vikings defense is going to be completely different. Um, that defense can stop the run, and so I'm actually. I know. I think it's going to be kind of a stalemate. I think it's probably going to be a really low scoring game, just like the last Eagles game, and it's going to come down to field position. Uh, and I think since Case Keenum's the better quarterback, I see the Vikings winning. All right. Well, that, I think that relieves John a little bit of some stress, the fact that we didn't unanimously go for the Eagles. Um, so then there's also a game happening in the AFC. We don't need to really talk about it. Uh, I'm kidding. We can talk about it really quickly. Yeah, how scared are you? Uh, oh, yeah. How scared are you? You scared? I'm a little, I'm a little scared. You know, Tony Romo thinks uh, the... Patriots don't play a physical style of football. How's that make yeah, you feel? Yeah, Tony Romo also thought the Titans were like matched up great against the Patriots. Like yeah. after they scored that first touchdown, Tony Romo was all in on the Titans, and then the Patriots won by four touchdowns. All right, can, Take- like quick sidebar. I'm so done with Tony Romo. Uh, I am so annoyed with him. Like I so don't need him to call timeouts. Like you're not quarterbacking each team. Please do not yell timeout five times into the microphone. Actually, just like. Stop talking. It's, you're not on a podcast. Like, I actually get video of what you're talking about. So you don't need to talk the entire time. Because it's really annoying. And I'm just done with Tony Romo. I'm done with him. And I know I had to listen to again, him again yeah. for one more week. But then I'm done with him for an entire offseason. Thank God. Yeah, I think some of the shine is wearing off on Tony Romo. Just in general. For I, I bet You're not the first person I've heard say that. Let's put it that way. Uh, no, I am a little nervous about the Jags, though. I think they play the style of football, and this is like a, a trope that has been repeated with the Patriots, and it's, but it's true, even though it's kind of obvious. But if you can put pressure on Brady and you can slow the game down and you have a strong rug game, that's the recipe for beating the Patriots in the playoffs. And that's how the Jacksonville Jaguars can play. Um, and as we saw this past weekend, they can certainly hang points on teams, too, if you are 
sloppy and uh, don't have your front seven put together, which is actually the weakest part of the Patriots' defense. So there's certainly a scenario where the Patriots lose this game. There are multiple scenarios. Um, do I think it will happen? No. But um, I am by no means supremely confident. I'm, I'm nervous. Yeah, I'm convinced that this is going to be the torch passing game. I think this is the game. I think this is the game where Tom Brady actually turns forty. Well, I thought you were implying he was going to pass the torch to Blake Bortles, which maybe you are. No, <laughs> no. Well, I mean, kind of, but so like, so a big part of it is I think Leonard. Fren- I think Leonard Fournette is the most important person in this game, not not Tom Brady, because if Leonard Fournette is the same player he was in the first half against the Steelers, I don't think Tom Brady's going to get on the field enough to score. Because I think the Jaguars' defense is going to be like running guns loose at him and trying. I mean, I I think Jalen Ramsey wants to physically hurt Tom Brady. I think there are a couple other players on the the Jaguars' defense that do too. Because they like the we talked about the Eagles playing the sort of disrespected card, but I think the Jaguars way more, way more there. I mean, there were those random players from like the Texans calling out Blake Bortles and calling him trash and then getting a bunch of trash cans sent to them by Jacksonville fans until they have to relent and apologize because they, their house is covered in trash, literally covered in trash cans. Um, but if, if so, if Leonard Fournette is running the ball and running the ball, well, I think the, the Jaguars are probably going to win because I don't know how you respond to a power. You can't, the only way to respond to a power running game is with a power running game in kind. That's why Alabama's won so much. That's why when the Patriots have won a lot, they won with like LeGarrette Blunt running the ball down people's throats and then Tom Brady ripping your heart open. So I don't know. If the Patriots have an answer to that, then they'll answer and they'll win. But I don't not not totally super duper sold that they do. So I give the Jags a fighting chance. But your pick. My pick to the Jags. Oh. Yeah. All right. And Cooper. Well, I mean, full disclosure, I have a rooting interest in the Jaguars, too. Yes. I have, I have two cute, two very cute little nieces that are, um, that are Jaguars fans. So, I'm thinking. The, the wine is hitting Cooper. The wine is yeah. hitting Cooper. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just trying losing. to decide if I want to go for the win here or if I want <laughs> to root against the Patriots, which is what my gut says. All right, let's be, let's be honest. No matter what you say right now, you're going to root against the Patriots on Sunday. I am rooting so hard against the Patriots. All right, so I actually think the Jaguars are going to win. This is why I think we're incredibly uh, undervaluing this defense. There's really no doubt in my mind that this defense is as good as that Broncos defense that won the Super Bowl a couple years ago with a quarterback who is way worse than Blake Bortles. Maybe not in his career, but definitely in that year. Peyton Manning was having an awful year at the quarterback position, yet they managed to win the Super Bowl. I actually think this Jaguars defense might be the best defense we've seen against since that 2002 Ravens defense um, with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed. This defense is good. They're young. They're really fast and very athletic. And I think they're going to give the Patriots all sorts of problems. If what John said is correct and that Leonard Fournette can, you know, keep the ball and keep that defense fresh. Um, and then last week against the Steelers, which, you know, Steelers don't have the best defense ever since losing Ryan Chazier. But still, putting up 45 points against any NFL defense is impressive, especially when we thought their offense was the weak spot of their team. I think there's an argument to be made that Blake Bortles might be the second-best quarterback remaining of the four teams. I think this Jaguars team is legit. Uh, Yes, they're a Florida team playing in the Northeast, which has its problems, but I think they play the style of football that 
fits well in Northeast. So I think the Jaguars have a real chance here. And plus there's the Tom Coughlin uh, fear factor for the Patriots, yes. which I love. The ghost of Tom Coughlin. I think Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's dreams. Honestly, though, like if anyone knows the secret, it's Tom freaking Coughlin because he's he's a part of every bad memory I have. Not every bad memory. The worst memories I have. Oh, all all the bad memories you have. <laughs> well, there's so few as a Patriots fan. Uh, anyway, see you. Bring out! I, I'm I'm actually happy to be on an island on this one. Yeah, you Grievous Island feel, makes me feel a little better. All right. So, uh, also related to the NFL, um, and in spirit of that Saints Vikings uh, incredible finish from this past weekend, we wanted to do a fire four of incredible sports finishes. Uh, just pretty self-explanatory, and we're gonna. There's, as as there often is, there's some wiggle room as to what is defined as sports uh, and finishes. So <laughs> it's, really a, it's a fluid Great. definition, <laughs> as you'll see. But let's um, we had we had a good time with the snake draft style last time, so let's do that again. Um, and why don't we start with John? And we'll just we'll go John Cooper me, and then we'll snake it back down. Yeah, no, someone will screw it up. I am sure. Uh, but that was perfect last week. John, why don't John, you start us John off? Cooper, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, so starting with my, I guess my number four, um, it's going to be, I, so this is what, this is what I, I didn't quite get to the torch passing part, but I'm looking into my crystal ball a bit for this finish and Patriots going down the field to, to beat the, beat the Jags, um, much like they have beaten a lot of teams, including the Eagles in the Super Bowl. But instead of making it into the end zone, um, the Jags tear Tom Brady's ACL and that's, Oh what, my uh, gosh. That's what ends his career. Um, it's a new wow. It's a pretty, it's a pretty exciting sports finish. Um, <laughs> and Brian Hoyer throws like a pick. So, John, there you go. I thought you were a man of morals. I am. And, I'm saying this is this could happen. And, yeah, I thought we were above gets wishing injury upon. The, I am not wishing injury goat. upon anyone. I'm, I'm saying what, this is how the. What it sounds like you are. This is how the torch gets passed. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little embarrassed and ashamed, sad. Uh, all right, Cooper. So I didn't know hypotheticals were a possibility. Um, all right, my number <laughs> Everything four. Everything is a possibility. Man, so Everything is here. possible. All right, so my number four, just to <laughs> uh, give something to John's listeners here. Um, the Sergio Aguero goal, which happened in 2012. They were playing QPR. All right, lots of background info here. So Man City and Man United were basically competing for the title on the last day. They were tied. And City was ahead on goal differential. And they play every single game on the last day of the league. They play at the same time, right, to not give a competitive advantage. And Man U had won their game. So that means that if City had tied or lost, the title would have gone to United. And City was up pretty much the whole entire game. And QPR tied the game really late. So it was 2-2, which meaning meaning that United would win the title. Uh, and Sergio Aguero scored a, scored a goal in, like, the 93rd minute to... Uh, Win the Premier League in 2012 against QPR, and it was pretty awesome. Even coming from a United fan, I have a dumb question. Yeah, did did they know since all the games are at the same time? Do they know the implications? Like the players, do they know the stakes. Oh, the city. Point? So the city players would have known because, like, they knew that all they had to do was win. Oh, okay. And yeah, the United game had ended a little bit earlier because of stoppage time. So. Understood. Thank you. I mean, the bench players definitely knew. I don't know if Aguero knew at the time that they needed that goal or else they would have come in second. Um, 
but yeah, it was it was awesome. Uh, my number one is Patriots Raiders the Snowball Tuck Rule game. Uh, Adam Vinatieri coming out and hitting a forty like six yarder through the the blizzard to send it to overtime, um, which is to this day the most amazing kick I have ever seen in my life um, in the conditions that it was in, and then making the game winning field goal. Uh, in overtime for much shorter distance, but um, the memory, and this is like my earliest memory of watching, legitimately watching football. Like, this is the first thing I remember because like the snow was so like, like instilled into my mind. So uh, that one will always be number one for me. Number two came shortly thereafter and it was Patriots Rams in the Super Bowl. Um, similar to, uh, speaking of underdogs, the Patriots I think were like 10 point underdogs in that game, which may have been the, the largest point spread in a Super Bowl, or one of the largest. And uh, um, I'll also never forget that field goal from Adam Benetieri. Like a 49-yard field goal wasn't a chip shot by any means. Um, in a, one of the earliest in the sports memories. Come on. Mm, I could have made mm. it. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, Cooper, go ahead. Yeah, that was the worst thing I think that could ever happen for professional football. Um. Man, I have so many good ones. Like, I like mine so much better than all of yours. So, number, I guess my third, saving the best for last, uh, the LeBron James fadeaway three versus the Magic, I think, in 07. It's pretty early in LeBron's career. And I have not researched this, so that's just off the top of my head. If I'm right, you owe me $5. It was a pretty incredible shot. And you were wrong. It was 2009. All right, I owe you five dollars. Um, that, that is in the YouTube Hall of Fame, though. It's awesome. I remember exactly where I was. So I guess I was, what, like thirteen at the time? No, I was way older than that. I was sixteen at the time, way older. And I was watching it on like a super tiny television in my room, and I went nuts when he made that shot. I think I like tore off my shirt and ran around the whole entire house because it was that <laughs> awesome. I will like forever remember that play. It was so cool. It's a great visual. Um, all right, John, swinging it back around. Okay. Um, number three, probably be 2016 uh, Villanova Wildcats winning the national title over the UNC Tar Heels. That was a pretty intense finish. Um, also because UNC thought they had just won the game and then Villanova came back down and actually won the game. I think to have two buzzer beaters in one game was huge. After that, Notre Dame goal line stand against USC in 2012. Um, I listened to this on the radio, and I think football games are heard best. They're not watched best. I think they're heard no, best. So um, wrong. <laughs> fake news. Heard best. Um, and Can you just imagine here, listening to a radio broadcast uh, broadcast of Tony Romo calling a game? Uh, uh. <laughs> time out. They're going to throw the slant. They're going to throw the slant. Yeah, that would be awful. Video is better. That was us uh, um, imagining Tony Romo doing a broadcast on the radio. Yeah, great, great, great podcasting. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, how about how about some loyalty for the brand? Yes, you need to listen to you need to listen to sports. They're better than watching sports. Podcasting, maybe better than watching live sports shows or something like that. But anyway. So yeah, Notre Dame's goal line stand against USC, huge. Especially all the all the pass interference calls that Brian Kelly basically told them, make them run it right up the gut at Manti Teo. And we, I think it was like 
we faced like six downs on the on the half yard line, and USC couldn't get in, and we clinched and went to the national championship, and that was so intense. It was insane. That also, was being USC always a great experience. That was. Going back to the Jenkins buzzer beater, that one was great because like you could see it coming, like 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 the how how purely he stepped into that jump shot, like you had a feeling oh, yeah. as soon as it was like oh, that it was that that was down. That well, was, I mean, was well, Jay Wright, like, Jay Wright, like, knew it while it was in the air. And he, he yeah, turned and Jay Wright's walked reaction. away. He didn't even see it. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Which is to say he did not have a reaction. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, is that both yours? Yeah, it is. Okay, Cooper. So this yeah. is my second to last one. All right. Uh, number two is going to be my, you know, Ohio State Buckeyes. Curtis Samuel's game-winning touchdown against Michigan. There are better plays, I guess, in the history of this rivalry, but probably no better finish to an actual game. It was really ugly. Uh, you know, JT Barrett barely squeaked by on that fourth down. Michigan fans claim he was short. Whatever. Um, but that touchdown was awesome. And 100,000 fans, you know, storming the field in a top five matchup. Uh, that was a big deal. And that was a really cool finish. And it was my phone background for like a whole entire year. Immortalized. Um, mm. My final two, I guess is how this works. In a similar vein as John's Notre Dame one, the Notre Dame Stanford goal line stand, also in 2012. And I think a lot of this had to do with the vantage point that we had to it from the student section and it being right in front of us, the rain coming down. It was like the closest thing I've ever felt to like being in a movie. And like, we definitely peaked Full disclosure. in our Notre Dame football uh, oh, yeah. watching careers. I, I, I legitimately cried um, after that game. <laughs> I cried because I was really afraid I was going to lose Jeff. I was afraid he was going to die. He was so small. I was. And, and like the pandemonium after it too. Like the bleachers that we were standing on actually physically broke. Yeah. In fact, our buddy and then recurring guest, Connor, has a piece of the bleachers still to this day. <laughs> Um, at least I, I think and hope he does. He took it with him. Uh, anyway, my last finish is uh, Salvador Perez walking off the Royals in the wild card game in 2015 because it was the Royals' first playoff appearance in like 30 years at home. The ball like just missing the glove of Donaldson and trickling down the line. And uh, and I think baseball walk offs have a special place in my heart. And being from Kansas City, that was that was pretty cool to see. Um, Sorry, I'm trying to correct something real quick all right so my one and a half because i just remembered something so i have to bring it up 2009 ohio state played michigan uh in the big house and i was there and michigan i think it was no it was 2013 2013 getting my odd years confused um and brady hoke went for two uh on like the final play of the game to try and beat ohio state because they couldn't stop urban meyer and braxton miller's offense and so they I think Ohio State had an interception on that two-point play, and there's nothing better than witnessing 100,000 Michigan fans just like collectively just like sigh and be like so depressed that they lost again. It's so great. Um, but my real number one on a happier note is the John Brooks goal versus Ghana in the 2014 World Cup. Even though it didn't really have any implications for the U.S. actual performance, I mean, I guess it got through the group stage and this is a knockout round, but they didn't really have a you know great World Cup showing. You know, I'll definitely I'll remember the school forever. Uh, it was pretty crazy. John Brooks scored on a header 
uh, off a corner kick. I think the 88th minute. Yeah, after uh, it looked like the U.S. had given it away. Yeah, because they did. They yeah. gave up a late goal. Um, yeah, against Ghana in the opening match of the 2014 World Cup was pretty awesome. My nemesis is. All right, last one is uh, for me. Number one is the greatest, I think, final, the greatest championship game ever um, ever played, and one of the best endings ever. Uh, the 1985 Villanova Wildcats upsetting Georgetown. It, it's it's just an insane game to watch from start to finish. It's not like modern basketball games that go on and on and on forever. It's actually not that long if you go find it on YouTube. But to to slay the to slay the giant that they had lost to like I think twice already that year, and Patrick Ewing and John Thompson, uh, just these giants of basketball. Um, and then also like in the context of the Final Four that had St. John's, Villanova, and Georgetown, these three great big East schools all playing each other um, and one other fourth school. Well, I have no idea who it was. It, it was just, it's just great. It's an amazing game. It's an amazing story. It's the, I think the best Cinderella story out there. Well, maybe, maybe Jim Valdana's is better, but it's, it's up there as one of the all time great things. And I know it's one that has lived on. And what was that like right. watching live? <laughs> I was insane. Going through that. Yeah. Talk talk yeah. about talk about how how that yeah. Could you describe like how you felt your emotions maybe, what the room was like, the reporter the room question, very bright very yeah. bright very bright <laughs> bright room. <laughs> uh, all right. On that note, let's uh, let's wrap this uh, this quote unquote. We're gonna do a shorter show tonight, which is now certainly gone over fifty minutes. Uh, podcast. It's because John was late. Yeah, yeah, it all ties back to Boom. to John. No, it ties back to the fact that but we had we, a lot. To we talk did about. in one take, though, right? So far, don't you? We have to knock on some. Yeah, oh, are we gosh. at the point where it's just like we just accept what we have done? It was one take. We'll just roll with it. <laughs> Should we just like turn this into a, a live stream? Actually, so we don't even have to. I don't have to do any editing on the back end. Let's just do that. As long There's as no Cooper can control his language. Yeah, have been well, good the past couple of shows. True. Folks, this is a little peek behind the curtain. Yep. Uh, which I know you're so desperate for. All right, let's uh, let's finish up Wasted Data, which is uh, how we end every show. I'll do mine very quickly. Um, I'm going to pivot oh, from... Just going first? Yes, I am. We'll curveball for you, and I'm going to pivot from what I have here because uh, I think Cooper's going to touch on it. Um, Jacksonville linebacker Talvin Smith doesn't think the Patriots are respecting the Jaguars, which is funny because... Nothing from Patriots uh, players has said like no one has said anything but like great things. And in fact, I saw Rob Gronkowski said today that the Jags are the best team the Patriots will face all year. Yeah, baloney. Bill Belichick's so, turned Rob Gronkowski into a robot ever since that one press conference. So fine. My point. That's so my yeah, point is Patriots do not provide. Say, do not say anything they else. Provide, they they do not provide bulletin board material. So if he wants to think that, fine. But it's ridiculous and it's manufactured and it's just patently false. I think it's pretty true that they're not respecting the Jaguars, but okay. Show me evidence. Yep, exactly. All right, John, go ahead. Is is Cooper going now? Is that how this is working? I I tossed it to you, sir. He he definitely said John. Oh, really? I'm sorry. Didn't hear that. We in the business call a handoff. Yeah, Wi-Fi moment. All right, one take, one take. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, my waste of data is. All the people that said that the Eagles were dead after um, we got 
ended up having to play the Falcons and we're clearly not dead. And I, it's just, it's, it's great. It's great to watch the takes flip from, gosh, the Falcons are terrible. They should really fire Steve Sarkeesian too. Oh my gosh, look at that offense. It's amazing. You know, he just plays them to their strengths and they're just going to run right over the Eagles uh, to, oh gosh, no, Steve Sarkeesian, he's really bad at this. Um, so yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a whirlwind there for the Falcons and their coaching staff, but Anyways, engaging in that whiplash amount of takes, um, you're my waste of data, of which there are many. <laughs> uh, all right, Cooper, wrap us up. It's a lot of pressure. Okay, so my waste of data. Going with the Homer theme, uh, the Celtics have basically messed up this whole entire Isaiah Thomas tribute that they were supposed to have. So not only has like Paul Pierce been like kind of outspoken about it, uh, Rajon Rondo, who no one actually really cares what he has to say, uh, came out and gave his opinion anyways. Quote, unquote, what has he done? Oh, that's what we celebrate around here? This is the Boston Celtics. You don't hang conference titles. End quote. So, fun fact. Uh, Isaiah Thomas never won a conference title. Uh, number two, I don't think they were planning on hanging anything. Uh, they just wanted to show like a little two-minute video because Isaiah Thomas tore up, like basically tore apart his whole entire hip from his body uh, for the Celtics last postseason. And played... Really hurt his two days after his sister passed away. Yeah, basically like ruined. I think the amount of money that he could have received, uh, the Brinks Bank uh, or the Brinks Truck, as he has called it, and then the Celtics traded him. Um, but no, Rondo and Paul Pierce just want to screw all that up. So it's just so stupid. Yeah, it's been bungled. They should have just what they should have done is given him a tribute that first time he was back, even though he wasn't playing. It actually would have been perfect. He could have like address the fans like you're like giving a little wave and they could have done it and it would be over with but it's, it's on the Celtics organization yeah and me. I forget if it was Rondo or Paul Pierce but one of them insinuated that Isaiah Thomas was like playing the whole situation and purposely didn't play that night so that he could have this night when Paul Pierce you know his jersey was being retired it's just it's ridiculous yeah agreed um, anything else I'll, I'll take the the silence as uh we are done thank you guys for tuning in to episode 43 of all the small takes we appreciate you listening we appreciate your uh continued listening and following us on social media letting us know what you think all that stuff we'll be back next week cooper looks like he finished the wine which means it's officially time to quit so until next time Dope. Sheesh.